I want you to imagine a mosaic. I want you to, to picture a glass mosaic, all the different colors, what would it look like, what is it, you know, what is it a, a mosaic of, or excuse me, a, a, what is a glass, uh, a, a glass um, portrait of, is it a stained glass? I can picture the stained glass at Highland Presbyterian Church where I grew up. Uh, perhaps it's the, the glass of Notre Dame. Perhaps it is the stained glass on a movie like Beauty and the Beast. There was stained glass in that or the stained glass that was in a movie like um, uh, Harry Potter around the castle. I want you to take a, think in your mind of that glass, and I want you to picture it being shattered. Wait a minute, why are you at that? I want you to picture it shattered. You know, a beautiful masterpiece, a beautiful piece of glass just and shattering into a thousand pieces on the floor. What do you think the artist might say? What do you think the artist might do? Now, what do you think a great act of artistry might be? Imagine if that artist saw the shattered glass. Imagine if the artist saw that, that, that work that, that he or she had worked on and started picking the pieces up and started moving them and started putting them in a different order. And at the end of it, there was a picture more beautiful than the first as it was put together, a mosaic. Now, that would be a true act of artistry, wouldn't it be? To be able to take something that you had, had lovingly crafted, something that you had, had put together, something that you had, had fashioned and had the idea and brought it to fruition and seen smashed, and then you were able to take those pieces and transform them into something totally different and yet beautiful and exquisite all at the same time. That, that's a, that's a master artist. To not be able to weep over that, the, the loss of that creation, but to be, to be able to repurpose it and renew it, to redeem it. We have been talking now, this is our fourth week, talking about worship and talking about our new mission statement uh, that we are to expand Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. And as we talk about this, as we've talked about worship, we have talked about ease. We have talked about that worship is to exalt. Oh, man, if I'm the only one here after four weeks, the old English teacher side of me is going, oh, this is not good. We are to exalt God in worship. We are to edify. I, I heard the third one as well, though. We are to edify one another. We're to, to shape and to form each other through worship. It is a formative act. And then we are to engage. 
the third one. Uh, and if you caught the uh, if you caught the podcast this week, you missed a critical part of of the story last week that I just totally omitted, which is the fact that that David, as as McCall, his wife, was chiding him for how he was danced and how or how he danced and how he was dressing. He was leading the parade of the Ark of the Covenant. He was way out in the open uh, in a in a public worship service, and <laughs> I think Pastor Dina said, "Oh, that changes the context a little bit." And now this week. We are to be an example. That's our final E-word. So exalt, edify, engage, be an example. And we're going to look in Ephesians this week. We're going to look in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. So if you have your Bibles there, go ahead and open to Ephesians 3, 7 through 13. It is on the screen. And what we're going to see as we talk about this Ephesians passage, because this is not the easiest passage in the Bible. You're going to look and say, wow, that was probably not the, the uh, best choice to make a, 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 an intelligible sermon. But it's a fantastic choice and is a great uh, example of Paul's theology of, of worship. But what we're going to learn is the church is an example to the world of God's wisdom. So the church is an example to the world, and more than just the world, to the universe, we're going to talk about that in just a second, of God's wisdom. So, open up to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, and then let's hear God's Word. Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This is God's word to us today. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your word which instructs us even when it is difficult to understand. We approach Paul's words and we wonder what this could mean for our lives and we ask that your Holy Spirit would come upon us now and that we would be able to understand what it is that you have for us in way of worship. Show us the glorious riches we have in Christ and show us your manifold wisdom in what you have done through us. Lord, strengthen my words during this time, for mine are empty, just a a vapor in the wind. But you, O God, you hold the very words of eternal life. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We're going to start with verse 10. Because it is probably the one that you look at and you say, huh? 
It is, it is the verse that you look at. So let's read it again. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. How many of you have seen the Andrew Lloyd Webber show, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Okay, a few of us. Wow, that's a lot lower than I expected. I'm going to be honest there. So the word technicolor there, if, if, if uh, you remember the old shows in technicolor, and that was a big thing before we, had, uh, before we even had HD, I was going to say 4K and 8K and so on, but it was before HD. This is when standard def, when you could watch hockey on a, on a uh, regular TV screen and have no idea where the puck is. Um, golf was the same way. Whoosh. We're looking at a blue screen. Technicolor was kind of the, the, the main technology that came out, and wow, this was exciting, because I remember having a black and white TV in my, in my room growing up. Um, and so Technicolor was fantastic. Technicolor made things come to life. Um, and so it was, it was the fact that they could uh, present all of these different colors on a TV screen. Now, when, when Paul here says the manifold wisdom of God, the word that he uses there might be a kind of akin to technicolor. It is the 4K, it is the 8K, it is the whatever is coming in next, 12, what's the next multiplier, 16, whatever it is, wisdom of God. It is the wisdom of God that is more lifelike than life itself. So we've defined a word there, but what is he saying? His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church, the wisdom of God is made known. What Paul is saying here is that we as the people of God gathered together worshiping God, that demonstrates to the world and to the rulers and principalities of this world that God is wise. We are the demonstration of God's wisdom. You go, I don't feel like the wisdom of God. I don't feel like technicolor. Frankly, I, we live in Pittsburgh. We feel like there's one color, gray. Now, there are a whole different number of shades of gray, but that wasn't intended. Thank you. Now you can hear what she says up close. <laughs> Microphone might have even caught that one. That was not an intended joke. Jeez. Come now. <laughs> but we are here, and, and we are the wisdom of God gathered together. Why is that? What is it that Paul is saying? How is it that, that those of us gathered together here are the wisdom of God and that we are, 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 are something showing that he is amazing? You know, it, Pastor Dina brought up the question, what is it that, that unifies us? What is it that brings us all together? Because at, on any given day, would you see this group of people gathering together? 
I, you know, I just went through the Joseph question, and I saw very few hands, but man, you all picked up on the, the shades of gray comment really quickly. <laughs> Got a little bit of a difference there. You know, when I was living out in Rock Island, Illinois, I said that I was a Pirates and a Red Sox fan, and they're like, oh, come on. And we had Cubs fans and, and Cardinal fans because we were right in that in-between. And it was really kind of dicey at times. And we all hated the Brewers. At least that unified us. <laughs> but there are some of us that don't even like sports. There are some of us that are more inclined to the arts. There are some of us who probably have a more spiritual outlook on life. There are some of us that probably have a more secular outlook on life. There are some of us who tend towards... Uh, towards business. There are some of us who tend towards the humanities. There are some of us that are engaged in the social services, the business, whatever it is. What would pull this group of people together? What would it be if not the power of Jesus Christ? You see, through the redemption of Jesus Christ, it pulls together people who are not normally pulled together and in the same room together. In a world of division, unity stands out. As I thought about that statement, I thought about 2006. Because it was 2006 when the Amish school shooting happened. And do you remember what happened in the wake of that? Unity of forgiveness. The world stood in awe as the Amish community gathered up their own, but not just their own, but the offender's family as well, and loved them and came together and were unified by their faith. The world stops for a, for a moment and notices unity. And the church is to be the image of unity in the world. The display of God's wisdom to the entire universe. Look at what I am able to do. Look at who I can bring together. Look at what I have done through my son. Think of that mosaic again. Think of those broken and fractured pieces as we said, it would be a travesty if someone took something and smashed it, but what artistry would there be in the, in the artist who is able to put that together, take all the broken pieces, and of course, what's broken glass like? It hurts. It cuts you in ways that you go, I, I wasn't even holding a sharp edge. And that artist who can bring something back together and make something beautiful of it. That's the true artist. That's the wisdom of God. That's the amazing manifold wisdom of God. I want to show you a photo here real quick from two years ago, 2021, uh, August 2021. Uh, you might recognize the, per the two of the people there, the one in purple in the upper left and then the weird one in the, uh, in the blue shirt um, in the back row. This was our group of kids going to camp two years ago. 
right after COVID. What do you notice about this photo? They're all smiling, they're young, well, some of us. They're all different. They're all from different countries or different heritages. One of the great things about living in Rock Island is that we are a major secondary resettlement site for world relief. The Rock Island public schools have 42 different languages spoken in them. And those were the kids that we had the privilege of ministering to. Some of them, their families had flown, uh, flown as in escaped from Burma. They're Karin, they're a subset of the Burmese population that are persecuted. One of them, uh, at least, is from Africa proper from the DRC and grew up in South Africa before coming here. There's African-American. There is Burundi, uh, who speak the Kurundi language. There is half Indian in this photo, and there's a couple of, you know, funny-looking Americans in the photo, or what we think of when we say Americans. And yet, what binds us all together in that photo is the love of Jesus Christ, the worship of Jesus Christ. I've had the privilege of baptizing in that group. In fact, one was just this year, Erin Kunda Darlen. She was baptized, and that was a choice all of her own. I have baptized uh, Dinye, who was in that photo. I have uh, baptized... Uh, have, baptized to Mario, who was in that photo. That is the wisdom of God. That is something that only God can do. To, to put a pastor who grew up in rural western Pennsylvania with all of what that meant, and to bring it together with someone who, who was born in Cincinnati, grew up in North Dakota, and then Dover, Ohio, and brought them together, but also brought together these families from Burma and from the DRC and from uh, Burundi and Tanzania and from Rock Island, Illinois, that foreign land. And put us together and put the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts. The manifold wisdom of God. And so what we have to ask ourselves as the people of God is, are some painful questions. One of them is this, are we still the most segregated hour in America? I think we have to ask that because as we look at Revelation 7, 9, and 10, John says this, after, I looked, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Mm. I look forward to that day. 
I look forward to it with Dinye and, and Demario and with Darlene and, and with Ah and Nelson, her brother. Funny combination. With all these people, with, with Valerie and with her parents and, and with all of the different people, with Mary and with Sharon and with Dave and with Mike and, and with so many of you, when we can all come together and say, God has done this. That which we tried for centuries and centuries and millennia and millennia to create peace and to bind ourselves together, God has done with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Mm. Is our worship an example, not just to our own world, but to the powers and to the principalities of this world which would have us divided? Are we the wisdom of God to the universe created by God? So there's unity only by God, but there is also... Uh, the, the church demonstrates a unity only achievable by God, but the church also demonstrates a nearness to God in all of this. Uh, Paul connects the idea of our unity with closeness to God. If you notice, after this great verse, Paul says this, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. After calling us the wisdom of God by the unity of the gospel that binds us together, he says not only do we have unity in each other, but we have a closeness with God. We don't forge this unity on our own, even though it's our natural inclination to try But like I said, the church isn't just to be unified under Christ, but we're to be close to Christ as well. We are to be a people that feels the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We are to be a people who understand the presence and feel the presence of God in our lives day after day after day. It's not just something that we do. It is who we are as the people of God. We draw near to Christ because Christ has drawn near to us. So let me ask, are we a people who are close to Christ? Are we a people that have drawn near it's fun to ask that question as we have changed as we have changed the format of worship because you know it's funny because I can feel this section getting a little tense as I come close. <laughs> They're like I, this was the back rows and now he's changing it again. <laughs> but we ask you know we we struggle and if we are not close to it you know this shows a bit of our unity and if we are struggling at times with the unity with one another, or do we struggle as well with the unity towards God, the closeness towards God? We saw in the first picture of God in exalt that God is holy. God is beyond anything that we can imagine, that the corner of his robe filled the entire temple. The corner of his robe filled the entire temple, and yet... Draw near to me. Are we a people who have drawn close to Christ? And are we a people that demonstrate the manifest, the the manifold wisdom of God in our lives and through our connection and our unity with one another? 
That is how we, as the people of God, are an example to this world. And there is so much that we could tease out in terms of the witness of the church in terms of those two questions. It really is. And they are questions that we must wrestle with both as a congregation and as individuals, as the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you didn't intend for us to do this on our own. That as we think about the brokenness and division of this world, we cannot forge a unity on, your own, on our own. But you, O oh God, you have the power in Christ Jesus to bind us together. We look forward to the day when we see our brothers and sisters, not just across town, but across cultures and across the world, come together and proclaim that salvation, salvation is from you. And we sit at, the, sit at the wedding feast of the Lamb, all together, sharing the stories of your salvation. Help us during this time to grow in faithfulness to you, to hide these words in our heart and to live them out throughout our lives. Help us, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.